Welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Mary Lou Singleton, a mother, midwife, nurse practitioner, and medical freedom activist. Her clinic, Enchanted Family Medicine, provides primary health care services to over 2,000 patients in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mary Lou served on the boards of directors of the Midwives Alliance of North America, the National Association of Certified Professional Midwives, the Stop Patriarchy Abortion Rights Freedom Ride, and the Women's Liberation Front. She has been speaking out against female erasure in midwifery since 2014 and is the author of an open letter to the Midwives Alliance of North America protesting the removal of the words woman and mother from the organization's core competencies for midwives' documents. Mary Lou is firmly pro-choice in all aspects of medical care, including vaccination. I welcome Mary Lou Singleton to Savage Minds. This is what I want to propose for today, because we have this shared activism and agreement on the batshittery of gender <laughs> identity as it has entered into your profession. Who would have thunk it that a midwife <laughs> would be under the crosshairs of a lobby that seeks to have you say that men can have babies. But this is what I want to propose, a, a type of discursive tango where we're going to discuss seemingly disparate issues. And they're seemingly disparate issues, but I maintain that they have very many similar underlying threats. And these are the issues I propose since we were initially going to talk about the lockdown and all of its intertwined narratives of who was expected to stay at home and reinvent the Einsteinium time-space continuum, women, of course, while they were working and sewing and recycling and doing distance learning with their children and giving up their economic autonomy, putting themselves into physical danger. How many of us have had no checkups? How many mm -hmm. cancers went undetected? And then the issues around masks, the way that this was handled, the plethora of lies about not only masks, but virus mitigation itself to include the vituperation of those who signed and especially the creators of, two of whom I've had on the show, the Great Barrington Declaration. That was one thread, but then the recent Supreme Court decision came down, which we knew about for that last four or five weeks because of the leak. And I was one who suffered when I heard the leak because I'm quite aware that leaks tend to be true. And so Roe v. Wade has been appended, which is very much linked to the subject that I hate talking about more than anything else on the planet, which is that men in dresses does not equal woman, that men mm -hmm. with smelling salts and a proclivity for fishnet stockings, again, does not equal woman, et cetera, et cetera. But we can't talk about the Supreme Court ruling, I'm afraid to say, and not talk about the batshittery of gender identity. So the underlying thread, I don't even want to tell you, that's, that's going to be the the mystery. No, it's not. But <laughs> I, I maintain the underlying thread in all of this, frankly, is one heaping shitload of misogyny that has counted upon us. What are we now? We're called womb carriers. Was that the recent one by Verso? Uh, womb holders? I, God. But we're the womb holders that every government on the fucking planet knew that we would have no choice but to 
overlook our income, forget about our professional autonomy, our professional everything, because some professions, if you don't practice for a certain number of years and you have a lapse, guess what? You've got to go back and redo things, redo tests, retrain. Anyways, these damn governments operated on the basis of, I mean, I'm talking about a real superstructure here of misogyny, social, political, and bureaucratic on all, all counts. And then the same thing, obviously, Roe v. Wade, we can't even, you know, we don't have to think twice about this being part of a larger discourse of misogyny. But the one thing that maybe we can get into talking about is about the misogyny on the left. And then, of course, the way gender identity fits into this, because I went to Twitter yesterday and I had a little tweet to say to two senators, one of whom was Elizabeth Warren, who's now got this plan. I was like, you got a plan, but you can't identify what a woman is, or at least you couldn't last year. Right? Right. Right. Well, even the attention, Brown Jackson, the new SCOTUS. Um, I'm so upset that I can barely speak, Julian. I'm just so holistically gutted by what's happening. But yes. remember her, her confirmation hearings where she couldn't define what a woman was. Yeah. Yeah. And this is that when that happened, I was pissed off because this was more of the bullshit purity posturing that's gone on amongst the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think she should have been confirmed. I think no. that someone cannot define that has no business being on any bench. None. No, especially in, in issues of civil rights law. Can you imagine if she couldn't define what race meant, which is actually a much more nebulous category legally. Yes. Well, it's a more nebulous category biologically. Exactly. Because, you know, Darwin made fun of people. Darwin, you know, how many years ago made fun of pseudoscientists who believed that there was such a thing as race. And he was very clear about this. And I interviewed Adam Rutherford and wrote that interview up because we are still living under this phantasm of race being some kind of reality uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to Darwin, which he never maintained. Meanwhile, like you just said, now we're gonna have to talk about, of course, intersex. And this is just ridiculous given that what has happened, thank God for the swimming competition being saved for women. But the fact that, I mean, I think back to that day in the park with you and Julia Long, and I'm thinking, would we have ever thought that it would have gotten so fucking crazy that we've got Leah Thomas, who you could look at him from the back. It's a man. Yes, mm -hmm. women swimmers have really developed upper torsos. He's a man, you know? And I am shocked in the years since we met how many sharks this lobby has jumped such that, of course, the Supreme Court, who a justice who wanted to be a Supreme Court justice, she could not define woman because what is writing on that? How many lobbies are writing on that? How much wokery is writing on that? Exactly. I shook my head about it. I got really pissed off because, and then you got Biden too. I mean, wasn't Biden when he first was running as Obama's running mate? Wasn't he the person who said he didn't agree with abortion personally? but he would abide by the Supreme Court ruling. Remember that back in the day? I do remember that. I mean, he's, he's Catholic, so he, um, he's never renounced his Catholicism, and we know what the, the doctrine is on that. Um, 
And I think that he's of that generation of personally opposed to abortion, but thinks it should be should be legal. But you're right. He did specifically say we should agree with what the Supreme Court says. We have now a, a very strange predicament where when the leak came out, my first thought was this. Holy shit, we've got the right wingers now. I mean, this isn't the 90s anymore when they were constantly trying to nullify it. And I was constantly at marches in DC. But we've got the right wing that views us as breeding vessels. And we've got the left that doesn't know what the fuck a woman is, or they pretend so. So we're fucked on both sides. Well, and I would argue the left also views us as breeding vessels as evidenced by the um, exponential growth of surrogacy and the celebration of that on the left as part of gay liberation. Absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. The fact is, is that what we're seeing, and I posted this on my Facebook wall yesterday, it was the post where I said I found the missing link. Well, we're going to see a lot of these missing links, bro dudes on the left who are telling women to just keep their knees together. I kid mm-hmm. you not. No, I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again in the last two days of um, these men gleefully declaring that women should keep keep their legs shut, keep their legs shut. And um, one man, I, I posed the question of, because to me, it's not a matter of when does an embryo become a human? The issue is when does a woman stop becoming a human and become a state regulated incubator, right? Like that's the real question is, is when does a woman stop being human and become subject to another human? And this guy said, uh, the answer was simple. When she has sex, that's when you lose your civil rights, Julian, is when when you decide to have sex. I wholeheartedly agree. I've been thinking a lot about this because yesterday, my head has gone in some very dark places since the leak, but it went in a very weird place yesterday because I just thought, can't we just all say no? I am not a huge proponent personally of political lesbianism. Okay. I believe that sexuality involves first and foremost desire and we can't harness that, but whatever. But for a theater, because I love thinking theatrically, what if every woman just says, no, I'm not having sex with men for a year. What would these men? Well, of course it would, would, we'd be living in a massive rape culture. Then the, the bottom line here, is these bro dudes, when I say bro dudes, that's my code for lefty men, right? I am in a way after the the trans lobby uh, harnessing a lot of our rights already, I have a kinder heart towards right-wing men in certain ways. At least they wear their politics on their sleeve and don't pretend to be on our side with abortion. They're, and they could be quite polite you know, at the dinner table and just say, I don't agree with the, the beginning of life and God and the creation, whatever. Okay, what I really hate, because we've seen this, and I've seen this since 10 years now with the gender debates, that these lefty men will be the first ones to be yelling turf at you, STFU, and accusing you of murder for saying that a man in a dress is a man in a dress. But these guys harbor some really sick misogyny. I mean, the stuff on Twitter in the past 48 hours, I want to close my Twitter account because these men are actually happy that you and I and every other female on the planet simply or in the US at least, but most of the planet as well, we do not have the rights to our bodily autonomy and they like that. There's something really sadistic coming out of them and I'm seeing it and I'm not a big projectionist. You know what I mean? No, and I I do think 
it gets down to this deep um, envy of our creative powers. And I, um, three times in the last week, I've had men get just really uh, viciously angry with me. Well, just because I pointed out that ejaculation is not the same contribution to making a baby as pregnancy and birth. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It made them so angry, Julian. And one one called me a man hater for saying it. it. Nothing could be more obvious. Like nothing could be more obvious that ejaculation is not the same create contribution to making people as making the baby. Right? Like women create humanity, and we decide who comes here and who is born and who who isn't. And men do have a deep insecurity about that if they haven't just reconciled with the realities of biology. And it's not about better or worse or more than or less than, it's just the way biology works is women have this amazing creative power that um, is how human beings are brought to the planet. And that kind of jealousy or resentiment or it comes out as pure misogyny most of the time, not always. But it can come out as fetishism too, hence the transgender lobby. The way that our lives have been fetishized by these men is uh, revolting to me. Uh, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, for lefty men who say TWAW, they, like right-wing men, view us as birthing vessels. But this exceptional case of the transgender subject, what I'm noticing is that these lefty dudes have a lot in common with the right-wing dudes they claim to hate. And just as you said, there's a lot of jealousy, there's a lot of resentiment for our ability to basically, well, we don't need men aside from the sperm. And it doesn't take mm -hmm. much to figure out that, and I did this, as you know, I got sperm, I got pregnant. Uh, I did not want to have a mm -hmm. child with a partner. I was single, I was happily single. I didn't want a partner. I so happens that my partner would have been a woman, but I didn't want to have a baby with a partner at the time. So I did it on my own. And it was amazing to see when I was pregnant with my first child back in 2006, in the beginning of 2007, how many men were either extremely supportive of that or a few really angry, like a child needs a father. Well, it's always interesting how a child needs a father as a personal projection of lack. I mean, we could analyze this through Freud to death, but the funny thing is that no one says that when men abandon women, when men decide to divorce and, you know, red Corvette, what have you. Well, now the new red Corvette is SRS and no one says anything except how brave these men are. The trans widows aren't looked at in a sympathetic way. It's the men who are. So we're living in complete societal misogyny from the top down and the down up, as it were. And the the reversal of Roe v. Wade, just to be clear, we knew this was going to happen, right? I mean, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her life said it was going to happen because she's the one who argued it. And she argued it under a clause that was, in fact, more vulnerable to being changed, but the Equal Protection Clause would have in fact given much more security and complete security to our position, including the ERA, which never went through, right? So 
we're, we're, we're screwed because we're trying to maintain our rights in an era where the right wants to sort of cage our ability to control our bodies and the left discursively at least claims to not know who we are. So how can we have our rights protected if they can't define them? Right. I mean, Roe versus Wade was shaky, bad precedent. It was argued under due process instead of equal protection. And if you read Roe versus Wade, the whole the whole argument is about a physician's right to perform abortions without legal ramifications. It's um, nowhere in there does it say women have a right to control their own fertility, that women have uh, reproductive liberty. Over and over again, it's about protecting physicians. And many of the second wave feminists argued that that Roe v. Wade was a direct response to the growing number of DIY abortion clinics and and feminist centered um, menstrual extraction and um, grassroots abortion, demedicalized abortion clinics that were popping up around the country. Women were taking care of this themselves. The Jane Collective did over 10,000 abortions, uh, never never had a bad outcome. Carol Downer's group did thousands and thousands of menstrual extractions, never had a bad outcome. And these were actually referenced in the footnotes of Roe v. Wade by Harry Blackman that the court needed to intervene because women were taking it into their own hands. So... It, it was never about our rights. It was always about the right of, of primarily male at the time medical providers. And if it had been under equal protection where we have a right to bodily autonomy, our lives can't be subjected to, to be a life support system to another, another being. You know, I'm tired of arguing when, when a fetus becomes a person. I know a woman is a person and the state can't make a person be an unwilling life support system to another person. <laughs> exactly, but here we are. Remember the woman in the coma who was raped? Yes. And she was, yeah, remember? I, and they found out who it was, it was an orderly, and I'm just thinking, what? And yeah. there was a more recent case of another person in coma, I believe it was a man, but they wanted to use a sperm. I'm just thinking, we're living in this, biotech fucked up panorama it's everywhere it's not just trans it's everywhere the way in which we're using medicine to supplant life as if medicine were a surrogate to life and the, the same thing that you just said but the fact is is that if we cannot choose to have an abortion and, and if abortion is going to be dramatized as it has been in the 90s, that debate over when life began was every day, we need to retrain doctors and in schools, we need to retrain everyone to think differently about abortion. And I have had women say, oh, to what I'm about to say, but I strongly believe that not only is abortion a very personal procedure like anything, but it should be looked at as like any other procedure, for instance, a tooth extraction, a root canal. And I know some people are like, oh, but uh, that's harsh. Why is that harsh that we have to justify or do those ridiculous, remember in Alabama, you have to see the heartbeat on the sonogram. You know, why do we have to go through a Catherine wheel to get to the other side of our humanity? And we've just been through this shit with the trans lobby and it's still going on, but they're losing, thank God, in the UK and they're losing massively because everyone knows mm -hmm. that these are men. And now it's coming out 
that they were lobbied to death by people like the top tiers of government, of NGOs. But so we've been given this bullshit misogyny. I'm sorry, I'm, I can't stop cursing because I'm really fucking pissed off about the fact that on the same day that this announcement is made officially about Roe v. Wade, we've got Verso calling us womb carriers. I have had my students at NYU and the University of Montreal buy so many books from this company. I wrote them today that if I ever have to teach using their book again, I will photocopy it. I will hand copy it. I will not make my students buy from Verso. I hope they burn, like not literally, but I hope they, they close. I hope their doors close because they just keep running. Remember the woman who writes about surrogacy all the time for them? And they've got another trans lobby uh, two people that write for them and they can't seem to get their head around that women exist and that even if you know they conceded that we exist maybe calling us womb carriers is a bad idea you know they don't think about anything that doesn't advance what seems to me to be they're being lobbied and paid to do this shit because why else would a publisher and this is where Slavoj Žižek publishes they've had some great publications in their past, but they've gone to shit. Mm -hmm. Academic publishing has as well. So much has gone to shit, Julian. I just feel like we, we're in a, a time of, of collapse and polarization and it, the, the war has too many fronts you, and you don't know who your allies are. There's so few people who see, who see the thread that runs through all of it. I reached out to you the other day to have you on to discuss lockdown because I'll tell you what happened to me during lockdown. About four months in, I had been pitching to editors, especially one place where I've written quite a bit, Counterpunch. And I wrote a few pieces on lockdown, but then I started to pitch pieces about mental health ramifications, economic ramifications. Wouldn't you think a left-wing paper would want to know about that? No. We can't run that because it would make it look like we're against lockdown. Mm -hmm. Let's step back then to the common threads that I suggested at the beginning, because I would like to talk about lockdown. And I went through a lot of left media during lockdown, and I examined the way that they represented the draconian solutions to the virus. So the Barrington Declaration offers what is called targeted protection, which many people today are realizing was the way to go. Now, this is the interesting part, is the Barrington Declaration was declared a right-wing cabal. It was not. It was considered to be done by a bunch of racists. Two of three of the declarants were Indian, so whatever. Um, and every piece of shit was flung at these people instead of acknowledging the wider discussion. Now we've seen this within the transgender debate. No one wants to talk. There's no debate. There's no debate about COVID. There's no debate about any of it. Now there's a problem when on 23 February, uh, we were put into lockdown here in what is one of the world's worst lockdowns. I felt like I was in some freaking camp and I'm, I'm tempted to put another word before the camp because this was awful. I couldn't leave my house without papers that had to print out and the papers changed almost daily. The police didn't know what the papers were. Sometimes they did. They'd stop you. you know, the people were getting fined if they were in the car with their husband or their wife. It was insane what went on. 
in all over Europe, the response was a bit hyperbolic. And at the same time, I was sitting there the first two weeks thinking this must be really serious. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post, but I was like, everyone buckle up. This looks really bad. You know, I was trying to be like thinking cap on. But after 10 days, two weeks, we knew what the demographic was that was hit by this. We know who was at risk and we knew pretty much how to contain it. And I don't mean just washing your hands and doing that elbow bullshit. Right. Now, yeah, but we were offered real serious bullshit. So what happened is, if you recall, during the Trump administration, I'm going to focus on the U.S. right now, when the vaccine was rolled or was being developed, all these Democrats were like, we're not taking it. Remember that? Mm -hmm. They were the biggest vaccine, vaccine skeptics were Democrats under Trump. And then it was opposite day when Biden got in office. And don't get me started on 6 January. But everything became exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. we were given this this mantra of just take the vaccine and you have your freedoms back and i do not know what it was like in new mexico but when you start to look at the data between florida and california so far and we all know well maybe our listeners don't know but florida like certain states arizona what are the mm-hmm. other states where elderly people go to retire? Those are the two big ones. They have the the largest population of elders and and they did better than the states that locked down hard. But New York and Pennsylvania in particular committed straight up elder side with putting healthy young people with COVID in the nursing homes to convalesce to separate them from the rest of society. They brought COVID into the nursing homes and I, I believe to this day, 60% of the COVID mortality in Pennsylvania was in the nursing homes. And, and get this, Rachel Levine, our assistant um, surgeon general, <laughs> you know, that, that creepy dude, like you look at him and every, every internal perp detector in your female system goes off, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, to keep oh, your yeah. kids away from that, that creep, he's, he's, really quite a piece of work. And he was the Surgeon General of Pennsylvania. The week before he started putting people with active COVID in the nursing homes, he pulled his own mother out of the nursing home and got a private nurse for her. It was elder side. They killed elderly people. And this has not been investigated. You know, the only place we have universal health care in the States is the Medicare program. Old people are expensive. And Mm -hmm. They killed so many elders and it was starting to come out about Cuomo, what he'd done to the nursing homes. And suddenly there's this like manufactured ass grab situation, right? Where he's removed from, from public because he's a sexual perp, not because he pretty much murdered elderly people. Yep, absolutely. This is astonishing to me because when they jumped on the ass grab story, I thought... <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I thought this is weird. No one jumps on ask grab stories, exactly. not even with the me too. You know what I mean? Right. So we've got this very strange triple helix situation going on where governments <laughs> use the elderly as a pretext to get us to all obey. And it worked perfectly in the Latin countries. Mm. And I don't mean Latin America. I mean, it worked perfectly in Italy. Some Italians believe that they were a Petri dish for a larger social experiment. But Italians, all you have to do is say mama 
and they just come to their knees, everything in the name of the mother, the grandmother, the grandfather, etc. So they bought people off with a lie. Because mm -hmm. what has happened in Italy for the elderly, especially the poor elderly, I can tell you what the government's done for them. Jack shit, Jack shit, or I don't know, Jacobo shit there. Okay. <laughs> I am very angry about what's happened in Italy because the human rights abuses that were done to so many people and the media buy out of this, let's keep in mind Berlusconi owned all the media in Italy pretty much when he was prime minister, but that set a marching order of goose steps for the media thereafter. So you've got this pseudo left media, just like the Guardian in the UK was saying, 20 things you can do with your children during lockdown. What the fuck? Who had the money to buy the scissors, the glue, the colored paper? And, you know, maybe they could recycle the toilet paper rolls. We had that going on in our house, but there was zero class consciousness. Of oh, none. any of these left of center publications, zero. I can't hate on CNN enough. I've written loads of articles about the paid promotional bullshit that CNN, Forbes, most of the major media gets to run the super yacht stories. The last one I made fun of was the super yacht that's going to save the planet of ecological disaster, my ass. Oh, there so you go. <laughs> you got Bill Gates every day was almost a journalist of CNN. And I say that sarcastically because their level of journalism is up there with Instagram, you know, tweets. No, exactly. Um, we had no ethics in journalism since 9-11, but what few ethics existed went to shit with lockdown. So well, you didn't see many stories, Mary Lou. Uh, no, nothing. And, you know, from day one, so I've been working as a primary health care provider from the beginning of this. And like everyone, when the propaganda first hit, when remember the propaganda coming out of China, where there were like bodies lying in the streets or people dropping yeah. dead at the grocery store, which we know now had to have been false because that's not how this virus works. You are so sick before you drop dead. You are so far from being able to get up and go to the grocery store for for quite some time before you die of covid you don't it's you don't get covid and like die that afternoon at the grocery store so we're all being fed this idea that it was this deadly you're going to drop dead everybody's equally vulnerable and like everyone else i was scared and i was deemed an essential worker by the government i'm in healthcare and i remember driving to work thinking you know, I just, I just got to get okay with dying alone on a ventilator. Like that's the only lax right now is to embrace the worst case scenario and, and just move on. And, and from day one, the classism was so glaring to me watching how my working class patients were still working and my middle-class laptop class, professional class patients were, um, one much more terrified and two, um, staying at home and, and um, no, completely, completely blind to the fact that they were downloading their viral risk onto the working class. No? And they were allowing the working class to be the surrogate for their lack of desire to go outside. Yes. It was quite perverse. Right. And I am so sorry, but between the gender nonsense and now COVID, I cursed like a seaman. I have a hard time putting into words my anger because 
I have never in my life experienced anger in so many directions. You see, uh, when I see people here and they're wearing the mask in the car and I'm driving and, you know, I'm thinking, I say it out loud. In fact, my kids here, I'm like, what a moron. Mm -hmm. What is that mommy? I was like, another idiot with the mask on in the car alone. I know. I think this is my theory. I think these people are purity posturing. I, I'm just going to say it. I think this is this is the mask in the car alone is the parallel universe to Zer <laughs> uh, preferred pronouns. You know what I mean? I just think it's all bullshit. And, and, and the funny thing is this Italians, I have learned, love to purity posture around COVID. Mm. And there's something really sinister about this because of all the things that I'm angry about, mm -hmm. I'm angry about the fact that we around the planet, the world's poor and the world's poor. Those of you listening from your living room and you've got three monitors, you are a minority. The majority of the world's population is poor. Mm -hmm. And there was a reason why lockdown practically didn't exist in Mexico. I've talked to people there. The governments had to keep the economy going. Now, this is why I mentioned earlier with the Great Barrington Declaration, they were accused of being right-wingers because when I interviewed Jay, he talked about the economy. Mm -hmm. The word economy is not synonymous with right-wing. No. The word economy can be synonymous with eating. It can be synonymous with survival. And he, like many others on the planet, we read the room. I've lived around the developing world for much of my life, a good half of my life. When stuff like this happens, we know instinctively who's going to pay for it. Just like we knew when the rumor came out about Roe v. Wade, that it was probably true because we've been on the radar of this about to be upended for years. So you can't just dismiss the rights of people because you hear that, that five cent word that you deem to be a right-wing word. Economy is not a right-wing word. It's a means of survival. And all the illiterati uh, ordering out Deliveroo, saying just lock down and have fun, you know, a big fuck you to I them, I offer. I'm so angry about it, Julian, and I'm so traumatized that the last two and a half years brought me, I, I don't think I'd ever experienced depression before the last two and a half years, but I had so many days where I just didn't want to live anymore. I, I couldn't handle um, the, the masking. The, the, and it wasn't that if I believed in masking, if I believed a piece of magic cloth over my face actually protected the people around me from an airborne respiratory virus, it would be different. But from we, we've known from day one that the entire body of published literature before 2020 said that cloth masks do nothing to prevent respiratory virus spread. They invented this thing of like, oh, well, the Swiss cheese model, it, if you both wear it, it'll prevent it. But they had no data to back that up. And it just the collective madness, it, it reminded me of being raised Catholic and the, um, if you wear the scapular, if you die wearing the scapular, you won't go to hell, right? It was just this... <laughs> this talisman that we were forced to participate in, even though it made no sense. And it went on forever. It's still going on to a certain degree. And I know some, some of the liberal cities in the US are still forced masking and they're not requiring N95s. You can just stick a piece of cloth over your face and you're compliant. We, we know it's, it's idiocy. I live in New Mexico. We were one of the most locked down states in the country. Um, we were required to wear masks even outside, even alone in the woods. We were told that mm -hmm. 
the state rangers that the forest rangers would be enforcing it. Um, we the local municipal pools in Albuquerque had signs up saying you had to wear your mask in the shower. And for me, the, the mental health impact of watching everyone go insane was so incredibly difficult, you know, and I, I'm still reeling from it. I'm so mad about it. I'm going to go to my tomb angry about this. Me too. I, like you, I have never experienced depression. And I had explained to someone recently, and I said, I'm going to tell you something that might shock you. When I lost my child, I thought that was the worst thing ever to happen to me. And it was. I had lost my brother when I was 25 to AIDS. That was rough. Well, when my son died, that was hell. But I'll tell you something. I think lockdown was worse in many respects. And I know people are going to be like, what? Uh, yeah, it was because when you go through the morning of a child, which is not depression, by the way, even though there are huge talk about the DSM, there have been clinical psychologists and psychiatrists that have tried to clinicalize mourning as depression, which is really screwed up, but that's right, another right. podcast episode. The reality is that at a certain point, and that point will be different for everyone. Any parent who's lost a child knows this. You begin, you wake up. And you're like, okay, I'm going to start yoga. I'm going to go on my bike. I'm just going to do it even though I feel like shit. And months later, you begin to, or years later, whenever that is for that person, you begin to see light at the end of the tunnel. And that light can come from your work. It can come from other nurturing relationships. It can come from many things. We were deprived of every fucking nurturing physical human contact and on top given a fucking handmaid's tale vision every day we'd left our houses yes and i will not watch the end of that film because uh aside from and what a coincidence too aside from the mask being about silencing in the in the film and in the book it's very much metaphoric and real for me and like you i got depressed i my depression came after lockdown my depression came after all this shit started to clear up and just last fall a lot of things happened in my life and I started to realize, holy shit, what have we been fucking put through? We have been put through something that in other worlds would have been declared illegal by the Geneva Convention, FYI. Absolutely. Julian, I had to, so from the beginning, I am pro-choice as a medical provider, including vaccination, which I guess makes me an anti-vaxxer, even though I'm sitting here talking to you, looking at my vaccine refrigerator full of vaccines, which I give every clinic day, but I'm an anti-vaxxer, I guess, because I think people should have a right to choose. Right. So I was forced to give this experimental vaccine that we know now is useless for preventing um, infection or or spread of the virus. I was forced to give this to people who were shaking with tears running down their, their eyes, saying their face saying, I don't want it, but I have to get it or I will lose my job. And I would say to them, well, I don't want to give it to you. And they'd say, no, you have to give it to me, even though I don't want it. I have to get it or I'll lose my job. Like I, I was forced to participate in coerced medical care, which was such an injury to me, psycho-spiritually. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to recover from that. Well, of course. This is like medical waterboarding. This is insane. Awful. This is insane. Awful. And then they would say, I want you to give it because I know you care about me. 
it's, it's so horrible. Like they didn't want to go to Walgreens and get it. They wanted to come to their primary care provider and get it. And I still have knots in my stomach and feel nauseous when I'm telling you this of how horrific this was. Um, in our state, our governor um, required that all the state employees and medical providers get the booster as well, which we all know was not evidence-based. We know that two major FDA officials resigned over the booster saying there wasn't good enough data to, to approve this booster. None of this has been science, but it's all been pushed under this, this banner of this new religion of, of scientism, which is just conformity to the medicalization of our lives. And indeed, so many people are silent and in disagreement, or they're vocally, I mean, I just can't stand the memes, I got vaccinated today. Well, know. you know, that again, is a personal choice. And to people who got vaccinated, if you made that choice, you believe that was the right choice, then okay. But I didn't, and I do not appreciate the photos that appear on people's Facebook pages as their ID saying that they got vaccinated because this signals fake news to me because as you just mentioned we don't have any conclusive peer-reviewed scientific studies that are showing that any of this works in fact they came out the other day and said that the vaccines in existence are useless against the current strains of covid Right, but they're still required of our college students who we know are not statistically at risk of, of a severe case of COVID. There, there's no reason to be vaccinated college students against their will. If they want the vaccine, if they're high risk, they should they should discuss it with their medical provider and get it if, if it's warranted. But we're vaccinating people who, you know, that, that demographic is less likely to have a life-threatening case of COVID than a life-threatening case of seasonal influenza. This is why I rejoiced when the Great Barrington Declaration came out was finally someone was talking sense. Finally, mm -hmm. a group of, of prestige medical people were, were talking sense and, and, and stating all the things I'd been thinking from day one of, of this whole experience called the pandemic. Though I, I, what I lived through, I would not describe as the pandemic. I would describe it as horrific government overreach and medical totalitarianism. That's the irony about the vaccine given to college students. That is the precise demographic that Pfizer and Moderna were hiding the harm done to because that yes. was the demographic that would most likely be harmed. Right. And did you see the two studies that came out last week, one in the Journal of Andrology and one in an Israeli medical journal, and I only read the translation of the abstract of that one, but both of these studies, one in the Journal of Andrology that looked at sperm donors at sperm banks, and one coming out of, out of Israel, looking at men in Israel, showed massive decrease in sperm count for at least three months. Mm -hmm. And people who were low risk for severe COVID, or people in general who, who were cautious were demonized for wanting to wait for longer term data before deciding to get this brand new mRNA technology injected into their bodies. Remember just the absolute hatred of people who wouldn't comply, wishing death. The president of the United States basically wished a winter of severe illness and death upon the unvaccinated last early December. He, he, he wished severe illness and death upon the unvaccinated. And now we know the vaccine 
does not prevent you from getting COVID or spreading COVID. It is purely a personal decision to get this. And even, even knowing that now, are we getting an apology? Are we getting any public reckoning about hating the unvaccinated, about, about the entire phenomenon we just lived through? No, we're, we're still being gaslit about it. You're listening to Savage Minds, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors, and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. We'll go to CNN. As my grandmother would have said, they're in love with Donald Trump because all they can do is talk about him. They hate on him daily. And had Donald Trump said this about the unvaccinated, we would hear about this for 10 more years. Yes. Biden was allowed to get away with that statement. And the amount of bullying and harassment that came from that statement in people's private lives, their businesses, offices, we will never know because that too is not being covered. Goodness knows if I'm getting editors from left-wing publications telling me that they're afraid to run any pieces questioning the efficacy of lockdown or the psychological ramifications of lockdown, goodness knows we're not having the studies being run that confirm the links between what politicians were saying and bullying happening in neighborhoods, in families, in workspaces. And this is Mm -hmm. daunting because all they want to do is rehash 6 January, which itself was badly covered by the media because my argument there is simply we should be talking about the protesters outside the Capitol as well. The hundreds of thousands of people that were outside the Capitol who were peacefully protesting. Why did that not get any discussion? And I think that the the roofs of the media was to use those individuals who were far outnumbered by the peaceful demonstrators outside, they used them as a pretext to focus on Trump once again. And I don't know what's going to happen with this trial, but I can say that we've all been hoodwinked by MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. We were given Russiagate We were given Hunter Biden laptop repression of the news. The New York Post had its social media account removed. If you or I were to say anything we're saying right now on Twitter, our accounts would be removed. Facebook was removing accounts. Instagram was removing accounts. Well, that's Facebook or now Meta. The rebranding of Facebook is LOL to me at this point, because who does the fact checking for Facebook? Yeah. You know, these are companies that are part of NATO. So we can bring this all the way through to the coverage of the invasion of Ukraine. And the reason why people are not allowed to hold any other opinion than Putin's evil, suddenly, not in all the years that we've had oligarchs populating the United States, controlling public policy, not the Pfizer's, not the Pritzker's, not gates Mm -hmm. we're not hearing them referred to as oligarchs and they are right right we are hearing about putin so oligarch became this word this five cent word that then every american was sporting for the last year or so 
we are in such a split reality. And, and I see this because of my practice, I, I take care of people on all sides of the political spectrum. And Julian, it's here in the United States, people are living in entirely different realities. Like this, it, it's, it's shocking to me, the different perspective of, of people based on what propaganda streams they're, they're paying attention to and, and what their economic class is. And I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about about massive civil unrest and possibly a civil war in the United States, given how how split people are. It's horrifying. Remember what happened with AZT? The FDA would not approve AZT. There were groups, I was part of them in New York, even with ACT UP, that were doing underground experimental use of these drugs, completely underground and, and very much illegal because the government would not give this. But that's what happened then. And now we have the government tearing a page from that book and saying, well, let's just run with it. No testing. I'm not going to take a vaccine that hasn't been tested for years. I'm just not. At the same time, the government pushing these, these completely untested, brand new technology medications on us while cracking down on an old, incredibly safe medication like ivermectin that whether or not there's evidence it helps with COVID, it is safer than Tylenol. And why not let people, why not let people get it off label from their providers? But the government has criminalized that in many states in the United States. And how is that going to affect what's coming with Roe falling in terms of mesoprostol, another off-label drug that can be used to, to induce abortion in the first trimester? What the left has normalized in terms of surveillance culture and snitch culture and government control of our bodies is now going to be handed to the right in terms of control of women. Yes, but the left is on board with it all the way at any rate, because you can't make the argument that men are women, that men who wish to receive SRS, sex reassignment surgery, are do that. And you see this, I was you know, working on a piece today and Jacobin has so many articles about this regarding male prisoners uh, with complete disregard for the fact that these male prisoners are in women's prisons, but whatever. Um, and then make that argument. And at the same time, hold another view that science is verifiable but we're just going to run with all this stuff that's hypothetical. You see, they want to have their cake and eat it by cherry picking what is science and what is not, as if they themselves, you know, all these people on social media are coming out as overnight virologists and immunologists. Right. But, you know, I mean, it was just LOL time because what you have social media was the echo chamber of pseudoscience, and it still mm -hmm. is, with people screaming down others saying, you deserve to die of the virus, echoing Biden, you shouldn't be outside your house if you're not gonna get vaccinated. And even in my first interview for this podcast was with Noam Chomsky, and I had to do a double take when he started to talk about COVID mitigation, because mm -hmm. he became quite not himself. Everything else was on board. It was the old Noam Chomsky we knew and loved, but somehow 
this fear of death has triggered in many people an irrational and totalitarian reaction that they cannot be considered part of any left that I recognize. I was so shocked to see that in Noam Chomsky because I've always viewed him as a very wise person. And how old is Chomsky now? Is he is he 90? Around there, he, yes. Yes. I would argue, Julian, that if you have not reconciled and made peace with your mortality by age 90, you failed the test. Like he is not modeling wise eldership by by wanting to live by continuing to live in fear of death. It, he won, like you won the game, you're 90, like everything's gravy. Your odds of dying are very high every day. So live it up at 90. Don't lock up all the children. Don't don't punish the working class. Don't close the schools. Don't make the mothers, like you said, have to bend the space-time continuum to work and homeschool and take and you know, don't don't destroy society so the elders can wring out a little more life. This is insane. As you know, you're a medical professional. When you go to the A&E, there's a triage system in place. But we didn't have that during lockdown, did we? Because a real triage system in the case of such a virus, were this to be the virus that we were told it was, that it was not, this was not the bubonic plague. But no. let's say it was. Triage would say what? It's not a medical triage, but a public health care triage would say, to engage in targeted protection as per the Great Barrington Declaration. And Martin right. Kuldorf, when he came on the show, he said some great stuff that I think people should go back and listen to that interview. I was left speechless. He said that if this virus is allowed to cycle through the population, yes, some will die, but it will in fact strengthen the immune systems of people by virtue of having had it pass and it will weaken. This is statistically what happens with a lot of viruses. He was obviously not working from any kind of study, but he is a professional in this field. I believe him over Joe Biden's death wishes. Absolutely. And he was right. Yeah, he was right. The COVID circulating now is nothing like the COVID that was circulating in March of 2020. In my practice right now, I have many, many people calling the the middle-class progressives who've been hiding at home are terrified still of COVID. And they're calling me wanting to know what to do about their positive COVID test. And then I ask them their symptoms and they have a sore throat and the sniffles and a low-grade fever. And they're terrified they're going to die. But this virus has mutated to a point where it's it's not dangerous. Our, our town is overwhelmed with covid in terms of numbers, but no one's no one's in the hospital with COVID except very, you know, the kind of people who are vulnerable to any respiratory infection. The, the very young, the very old, the very sick can die of uh, any cold, any common cold. But these poor progressives have been so propagandized that they're still living like it's March of 2020. And, and I'm having to talk them down off this terrified ledge that they, they think they're going to die because their home COVID test came back positive and they have the sniffles. In the studies that you have been discussing on your Facebook wall, which are the most frightening for you when you begin to discuss them? And what are the reactions that you get from people when you discuss facts? It's better now. Oh, for the first 18 months of whatever we want to call this era we just lived through, it was terrifying. House arrest. Yes, house arrest. 
Um, anytime I would question the mainstream narrative, and, and I always tried to be incredibly judicious about it, posting actual studies, posting things from, um, if I found someone at Johns Hopkins, like Marty McCary speaking out, or, or someone relatively mainstream, I, I would post from them. I'm not going to post things from QAnon or out, like, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going down rabbit holes. I, I would be very judicious and post things to try to make people wake up from the spell of propaganda. The reaction was very harsh. Um, I was told I should have my license taken away. I was told I was being irresponsible with my right to speak freely. That was interesting. Um, I was told I wanted people to die, that I was had the blood of people in my hands, that I was responsible for deaths. And that has died down a lot. Now, now I went through a lot of hell. Like I, um, I had a complaint against my license for being anti-science and anti-vaccine. Um, that was horrific. I, I lo was looking at the loss of my livelihood. Luckily, it was unsubstantiated and, and um, I had allies at the nursing board who recognized the political nature of it, but, but I've been under attack for, for speaking out against this. Something has shifted in the last several months where now the people who went COVID crazy are being more quiet. They seem more subdued. They, I think they, to some degree, know that they weren't on the right side of history. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There, there are a ton of studies being run about people who had COVID-19 and the mental health effects of their having had it, but there's not enough studies out there in, for my liking that are measuring the mental health impact of this house arrest that we've all been through. And some countries and some states in the US better or worse, right? I mean, Florida, looks like heaven to me really oh totally like no julie and i just closed on a house in florida as an escape route like i if this comes back to new mexico i have to leave i cannot i literally cannot survive another lockdown i it almost destroyed me and so my husband and i just bought a place right now we're doing short-term rental with it but i i needed an escape route um no I, what i'm seeing in my practice is it absolutely has a, had a huge mental health impact, especially on the children and the young people, and especially on the children and the young people from liberal progressive families to whom the propaganda was really aimed, right? That, that their families bought it. I'm seeing an enormous increase in severe self-harm. Um, I, I didn't lose a single patient to COVID. I have over 2,000 patients. At this point, the vast majority of my patients have had COVID. I had three hospitalizations nobody on a ventilator, nobody in the ICU, no deaths. Um, but I've had multiple deaths from suicide, from overdose, from um, on things that should have been caught and diagnosed from, from lack of medical care, you know, from people who weren't able to get health screenings and weren't able to get medical care. And then what I'm seeing every day is speech delays and severe anxiety in the young children and severe self-harm I've never, ever seen cutting like I've, I'm seeing now of just real, I'm just 
shaking thing. I, you know, I'd, I've had seen cutters before, but not this deep, compulsive, intense cutting that I'm seeing pretty frequently. Um, lots of school refusal, children who refuse to go to school, lots of agoraphobia. We were, we were already dealing with the rebranding of agoraphobia among young people and this pushing of social anxiety disorder, right? That mm -hmm. what used to be considered a very serious mental illness, agoraphobia was being rebranded. And now suddenly a huge percentage of the youth have social anxiety. That's off the rails now. Like so many kids who, who just don't feel comfortable leaving the house, don't, don't feel comfortable interacting. It, it's horrifying to me, the implications for the future of, of what's been done to our youth. The fallout for me personally was first, my wife was looking for a job. She had to stop looking for a job. She was also foisted in the position because of the bloody government here of having to take care of our children and not look for a job, which was not her choice. And it would not have been my choice. We were trapped. It was like someone made a choice and where you were standing in the room like those kids games you play where someone says freeze, wherever you're standing, that's it. And so mm -hmm. I had just moved to a new country. I had to worry about survival. I had to worry about so many things in a country that didn't have my back because I could only get any kind of support had I filed taxes there the year before, but I hadn't because I had just moved there. So mm -hmm. we were screwed in a hundred different ways, watching the news and people were like, wah, wah, we want our football. And I just thought, I'm going to kill someone. Like, mm -hmm. this is what the takeaway is, is you want your football. And that people were going off about granny and grandpa. We already know that targeted protection was the way to go. And we knew it early on because there was a thousand fold difference between the mortality of old and young, a thousand. Exactly. And I would argue that even with focus protection, it should be the decision of the elders how much restriction on their life they wanted in terms of COVID mitigation. That if the elders wanted to cuddle the grandchildren and, and keep interacting, that's their call as people who have lived a long life and decide to you know have, have a right to make their own decisions. But yes, that's where it should have been focused, that any high-risk groups who wanted protection should have been provided that through the systems that instead really locked down the least vulnerable and, and kept the many most vulnerable poor and working class people out working. You know, we had 60-year-old diabetics still working at the grocery store. We had, had people, you know, poor people with poor people health problems doing all the errands for the, the middle-aged, middle-class boomers who tend to have good health insurance and, and statistically better health. Did you hear that Missouri and Louisiana's attorney general is filing a lawsuit against the Biden administration's Ministry of Truth because they had planned to use social media companies to censor scientific opinions on COVID? And, and here it's coming from these right-wing places. And then that leaves us back to this abortion issue where in so many ways, I'm so much more aligned with conservative values. And, and I have to say, as an incredibly extroverted person, I now have all of these wonderful 
friends on the right from the last two years because that's who was having parties and potlucks and that's where I've been going for my socialization for the last two years. I do have some fears about how people are going to start behaving once the enormous swing to the right that we know we could feel the pendulum going already, right? Even within myself. I, I don't know if I'm ever voting again, but if I am, I, I am so angry, Julian. Like I am so angry at the Democrats. I am so angry at the, at the Democratic governor of my state that I, I would vote I would vote for almost any Republican right now just out of spite because I'm so mad. No politician has ever wrecked my life the way this Democrat governor did. But it, she, she ruined my life for two and a half years. She destroyed the, the schools. She destroyed society. She used public health as a wrecking ball of, of everything that made life meaningful. And if I'm feeling that way as a long-term leftist, you know, we're swinging hard, right? And um, I, I am a little concerned. I hope that people continue to be amicable and uh, willing to have conversations. But at this point, when I look at, at overall our rights, you know, the left wants to destroy the First Amendment. The left wants to destroy the Second Amendment. The, the left is saying things like the Constitution is racist um, this is uh, a huge threat to democracy and to civil liberties, more so than anything I see happening on the right. And that includes this horrific loss of, of reproductive freedom. Well, there we are. <laughs> the, the right has been so great and advancing discussions during lockdown about the things the left should have been talking about. And I mean, the poor the working class, mm -hmm. the inability to have basic freedoms and the freedom to disagree with virus mitigation. But no, the left has been the totalitarian sector for this. Yes. And now with Roe v. Wade, we're looking at a left that is, I'm sorry, I am angry at every single person. And I'm talking to Elizabeth Warren here too. And AOC, these women, did immeasurable harm to us because I yes. do not see that they are less guilty about what has happened with Roe v. Wade than any Republican. I, people need to go back and read um, and read Andrea Dworkin and read woman hating and read right wing women and understand that the left pushing prostitution and pornography and surrogacy and the gender insanity and this this insane idea that the um, that modeling male sexuality is liberating for women sexually, right? That that casual sex is great for women. That um, on and on. That the left pushing that and pushing that and pushing that is making a lot of women reevaluate. And as Andrea Dworkin would say, like the right wing women are less naive about patriarchy than the left wing women. That they they understand we live in a male supremacist system. And they think it's a better deal to choose what get called traditional values, which is off, you know, I'm not advocating for that, certainly in my own life, but I, I think we're seeing, I'm seeing this among young women that they, they would rather take on this um, traditional role where at least they're honored as a female person with, with, with a specific female experience than whatever the hell mindfuckery the left is pushing. 
So we have this trifecta of gender identity, Roe v. Wade, and COVID, where all three are undergirded by the fantastic nature of people's willingness to believe and or recycle and or produce absolute hokum as science while eliding scientific processes, studies, information. And all of this seems to come from a space of personal self-worth in many respects, where we see the pronouns, the my BFF is trans, or I'm coming out, Mary Lou, as non-binary. What in the fuck does this mean? This has no resonance in reality because I can say I'm coming out as non-binary and that has no reality-based reaction. It just is a sentence. It has as much as my saying, tweedledee, tweedledum, you're a frog. It's very Harry Potter. The pronouncement of the self with the gender lobby and the gender movement to I'm speaking my true self. And isn't she brave? She's speaking her true self. Everyone applauds. She got her vaccine. Everyone applauds. Mm -hmm. You stayed home and you protected granny. Everyone applauds. And now we're supposed to do this very quick shift of gaze towards a document that is like the other two, dictating to us how we must think about the scientific body, the Mm -hmm. male body, but it's a woman, how we're supposed to think about COVID it's the bubonic plague. No, it's not. It's if you get it today, it's like a cold. Mm-hmm. And that now we're supposed to lockstep with the idea that suddenly the only good thing about this is that the Supreme Court knows what a woman is, right? Mm-hmm. And that woman who who just was confirmed, she lied. I know. I know. What what a horrible blow to to women to have to sit through those hearings where she says she doesn't know what a woman is because she's not a biologist and then right on the heels of that we lose roe versus wade what a terrible terrible one-two punch for women elizabeth warren did something good when i criticized her on twitter yesterday she wants to invoke a state of emergency a health state of emergency now she's joined by two other senators my feeling on that is resign you have been pushing the biggest piece of bullshit known to humankind. I'm serious. I think that if we could go and take these people into a time machine and bring them back to the 13th century, there would be a lot of medieval lords laughing their asses at these people. I know. What in the hell are we doing with senators and representatives in power who've been pushing absolute bullshit in the service of wokery you know her putting her pronouns that just made me so angry and i liked her years ago i liked her too she i think she in i think she has a trans identified male as her chief of staff as well or someone someone big in her campaign she was promoting promoting like trans people on her staff as though this was like this fantastic thing and not that i think you should discriminate against trans people but if their main qualification for being part of your campaign is being trans, that I question that, right? Well, also, I would say that we've got a problem, you know, when now being, I joked about this the other day, I came out as, as heterosexual on Facebook because I just thought I can't be involved with, with Gay Pride Month anymore. It's just so embarrassing because one, it's nothing about gay. It's all about the T. Two, 
I don't want to be part of a group that's going to pursue and reproduce over and over a lie. Yes. If Elizabeth Warren has a woman on her team that likes to have short hair, just like Chase Strangio, mm -hmm. uh, that likes to take testosterone, that likes to dress in suits and a tie, guess what? Only the latter part refers to me until the age of 30. I didn't wear a dress and I didn't wear women's clothes until I was 30. Right. I didn't. And that seemed to go down really well all over New York City. People were like, oh, I really like your style. Well, I was a poor graduate student at NYU. I couldn't afford anything but Canal Jeans basement, which were $5 suits from the 1960s, 70s, 50s. But this does not make me a freaking man. No, the whole movement is just, it's so, it's based on pure sexism. And it's just, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, freedom of, of religion, freedom of belief. Um, but when you start pushing that belief down my throat, I, that's, that's when I have a problem with it. And it's like, go for it, be trans, but I don't view it as any more special as like announcing you're a Mormon. Like, do you have a right to be a Mormon? Sure. Will I defend your right to be a Mormon? Right. But, but it's a sexist ideology and I'm not super psyched that now you're the chief of staff of a politician. If you're a sexist. This is the posturing that's going on within the ACLU. So we have a lot of these organizations that once upon a time represented the best of our country. And there are things, believe me, I lived all over the planet. I have days when I just want to be me back to the States because I miss some of those freedoms. John F.K. said this, my, my father would be so proud of me citing him because I'm not a big fan, but he said, if you make peaceful revolution impossible, you make violent revolution inevitable. Right. And right. I think that's where we're heading, because if we enter into this much more, people are going to take to the streets in a very violent way. No, I agree. And, and what you're saying of these, these rights that are so important in the United, that the United States has, that they're being dismantled by the left is, is so horrifying. I mean, it was like the ACLU, the Wobblies, the, the, the left who pushed for, for expansion of free speech, expansion and, and true exercise of the First Amendment, of, of the Bill of Rights, and watching the ACLU promoting book banning, promoting this um, compelled speech with the trans insanity, it's, uh, it's beyond chilling. It's beyond chilling. I have moments where I just burst out into laughter over what's going on because it is one of those, do you laugh or cry moments at times. Yeah. And you've been through it. I, mean, I interviewed you for a piece years ago about the harassment you went through in your own sector as a midwife. Right, right. And then going through it again with COVID just from, from often from the same people. Like it's always, it keeps coming from the left. Though I have to say, I've also, you know, I've had um, the FBI at my office investigating a credible bomb threat from, from uh, anti-abortion forces as well. So I, my, I have a, an eclectic array of enemies, Julian. <laughs> there was uh, an initiative in, in Albuquerque, there was a ballot initiative trying to criminalize abortion after 20 weeks, which you know, people think that sounds like a good idea. Every No one likes late-term abortion, but as a midwife, I was trying to explain that 
nearly 100% of, of pregnancy terminations after 20 weeks are wanted pregnancies where there's something really wrong with the pregnancy. And um, you can't, like you said, this is a medical procedure. I, I'm of the opinion there should be no more laws about abortion than there are about appendectomy. Like this is a medical procedure. So I was a big voice in fighting off this ballot initiative and there was a bomb threat against my office um, because of it. So the FBI was um, here telling me about a credible threat to my safety. So I am not naive to believe that only the left is crazy right now. I think that the states, the country's really, really polarized. We are living in a time of misogyny titrated. Someone today on Facebook posted a photo that I had never seen before, and it made me quite sick. It was a 14-year-old being executed many, many years ago. And, of course, he was a Black American being executed who, in recent years, was exonerated. But he's dead. And this also was a travesty because he did not have a jury of his peers. Now, what happened in America where we came to this understanding that it was logical that if a black teenager is accused of a crime that maybe the jury ought to have other black americans on it but you and i get bro dudes deciding about our uterus there's a problem here and the problem is extremely deep and i don't think it's at all limited to the right i think we have a sociological disjuncture it's a type of cognitive dissonance where Bro dude men like to say, oh, yeah, my wife works, she's cool. But, you know, when push comes to shove, the minute women reproduce and have children, we know this statistically. I won't pull up the chapter I just wrote, but during lockdown, we know who was doing the heavy lifting of protecting society. All that burden was put onto us. It was put right. onto women. Meanwhile, men in Italy got free Pornhub subscriptions. You know? What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. That epic oh, company. Disgusting. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a whole other level of, of thinking of what's happened to our society of guys just, just plugging into porn all day. Ugh. Yeah. And women get to homeschool, cook, clean. And I personally, I can tell you for two years, I ate and slept very little very but, little and all of that while we're being held in social isolation and we know as women that the drudgery of women's work is is um is mitigated if we have other women to help us with it right if we could cook together if we can if we can all get together and like even yesterday I went to a wool processing workshop which was was really fun and cool and I'm just sitting there with all these other women and we're cleaning this wool and carting this wool and just, you know, we're, we're having fun doing it, but I was feeling my ancestors, you know, I'm, I'm of Irish descent and probably from, from wool processing people and feeling like women's community and how women have always come together to do this work. And the state forbade us from having the support of other women while we were doing all of this work during lockdown. Technology has done this mm -hmm. because since post-World War II, there was what a lovely scholar, Christina Zarlanga, calls the atomic household, which was basically all these electrodomestic appliances were invented. Now, that liberated woman uh, who had to go back from the airplane factory back into the kitchen, right, when Bernie came home from the war, she was then 
put into a new kind of technological sphere of having to control the blender, the washing machine. You had Betty Crocker and you could just add water and a bread right. came out of it. And things like that were innovative, but that also isolated and atomized women from having social connections. It also led to, and we know this because Betty Ford was one of many, but it led to high rates of alcoholism and addictions to various drugs. And in the 50s and 60s, that drug was Valium. And what are we dealing with in America? We have a huge opioid crisis. Right. Now, where was the government these last two years about the opioid crisis, which was killing loads of people? Oh, totally. And in, in San Francisco, far more people died from overdoses than COVID over the last two and a half years. It's absolutely the alcoholism rate is through the roof. Um, and then not just, you know, the things that get labeled substance abuse, but so many more people are on psych meds, so many more people are on the, um, the, the medicalization of distress meds that then were before the lockdown. But I would argue, you know, when, when you're talking about what happened to, to women's culture, you know, then the economic co-optation, capitalist co-optation of the women's liberation movement, where we saw the professionalization of women's work and driving women into the workplace instead of actually liberating women created even more problems where all the work women used to do for free that was not acknowledged became paid labor and we became even more atomized, right? That now, I mean, the, the example I always think of is like the doula industry of what the hell happened that you have to hire a nice lady to go with you to give birth, right? You know, what happened to community? What happened to, to having sisters and friends and, and somebody who can be with you during these, these times? Now they're even death doulas, you know? Like everything's been, been commodified and we've lost, we've lost so much of women's community through that. And then COVID just was an accelerant on it. And it's also been this complete disconnect from reality internationally, because Americans are very unaware as to what our government is up to. Mm. And Mary Lou, I'm about to go somewhere that is going to get a lot of people angry, but I don't care because I've already gone there on Facebook recently. But I came across a post two or three days ago where 400 now people are liking it about the beauty of Hillary Rodham Clinton. And I just had to post, I just said, what on earth? And I listed her war crimes. I listed the fact that, you know, what was Caceres and look at the report from The Intercept the other day. They did a great report on, on that investigation into her murder. She's, she's led rape culture. I mean, literal rape culture. Yeah. She was responsible to, for loads of rapes of women who protested the coup in Honduras. Now, yeah. Libya. Let's I mean, Libya. Yeah, right, that was right. one of the no, and and you have feminists backing this ostensible heroine who's not. She and her husband, the Clinton Foundation, stole ten billion dollars from Haiti. This is documented. This is not hypothetical, right? Right. It's um, it's so backward that you know. I just I remember during during the push that people were acting like it was a a feminist win that that Hillary was looking like she was gonna gonna be the president. And to me it was it was as though it would be a victory to have a female Darth Vader for a change. Right. <laughs> this is 
it's not the change I'm looking for. For many women is not change at all. Because if you are of that class that was saying lockdown, baby, lockdown, you're going to get your abortion because you've got the money to. Exactly. This is going to affect poor women in the United States. And we can say, we can, you know, I spoke about this the other day with someone, you know, the possibility of having these states that will accept women for abortions. Again, who will have the ability to organize and have the wherewithal to get to New York State, to get to Washington, or to get to California? Right. Right. No, it will be, abortion will be illegal for the poor and a plane ride away for the rich. Though Canada, Trudeau just announced that Americans can come there to get an abortion, but he forgot to say that if American women are not vaccinated, they have to quarantine in a government quarantine facility for 14 days, which is a longer period than any of the um, state imposed waiting periods for abortion in, in the states that have those in the United States. Well, this is the contradiction though, right? Again, I mean, we're up at it with you. There's a perfect example, what you just gave, where we have the, the nonsense of these quarantines and of, of measures that are wholly unnecessary, given the actual realities. This is what bothers me. Is Trudeau and Biden, etc., afraid to just state the facts that this is no longer a pandemic, that it's endemic, that in fact, it's not dangerous anymore? It can't be contained. Zero COVID was a myth from the beginning. Once this was in, once this was all over the world, we knew that, that this was not containable because of the nature of the virus. And yeah, that it's, it's not containable. The vaccines don't give sterilizing immunity. So they have nothing. These vaccines have nothing in common with the smallpox vaccine, with the polio vaccine, with these vaccines that do prevent spread. And no one will back down. No one will walk people back and, and, and re-propagandize people to the current reality, right? For sure. And where people are losing their jobs over misgendering people. Yes. Children are being kicked out of school for misgendering. That happened in the UK with an autistic child recently as well, an autistic which shouldn't, child. which shouldn't make a difference at any no, rate, no, because but, that autistic child knows his or her science. It's it's compelled speech. Yeah, we we're in quite a state, Julian. This is, um, I mean, these are certainly historical times, and I think, you know, I was born into a. Um, you know, just a, a unusually stable place and time in history. And, and I know that that, you know, things were not stable in other places in the world. Um, and if I had, you know, had the, the, the fate of being born in other places, I, I wouldn't be saying what I'm saying, but being born an American in 1969 <laughs> gave me this illusion that the, the world was a, a more politically stable place than, than it actually has historically been. And a more progressive place because Absolutely. growing up in the 70s, I thought that things were really, I was a kid, you know, I wore No, no, remember free to be you and me. Even I grew up in a very conservative home in a very sexist little town, but I had a copy of free to be you and me, which was, yeah, you know, girls and boys can can both do the dishes and wear whatever you want. And I thought we were over all the sexist stereotypes. 
Fast forward to Anderson Cooper and his partner announcing the birth of their baby and the woman has been handmaided away. This is really troubling. And I do, I've told gay male friends who've asked me, well, we would like to have a baby too. And would you recommend surrogacy? And I'm like, absolutely not. I told friends this, absolutely not. And if you do it, I'm not talking to you again. This is human trafficking and you can't do it. It's absolutely human trafficking and the people can't see it. And it also comes from exactly the same mindset as the, a woman is obligated to bring to term any fertilized egg that's within her. This, I, this patriarchal idea that life begins at ejaculation, that, that a human being is a little homunculus at fertilization that a man deposits into a woman and then she's just a mindless incubator for it, right? Like it, it, it comes from the exact same patriarchal philosophy as the, the no abortions from fertilization on that if I implant my genetic material in you, it's mine and you're just a vessel for it. And I'm going to come and collect, collect my property at the end of, of the pregnancy and birth process. In that way, Canada is far more progressive than the States because surrogacy is illegal. And at the same time, Canada, a.k.a. Tranada, has done everything to upend women's rights concerning men with feels. And I'm an anthropologist, so I'm very aware intellectually that the meaning that we have from our culture comes from the contradictions. I'm under no illusion that, in fact, history is teleological, that progression of ideas goes always forward. No, we're living it now. I told someone oh, on Facebook, I announced yesterday that I'm officially, uh, how many, uh, I had to do the math now, but basically I'm officially seven years old because if time has gone back to 1972, well, yeah. that's that. We are living in this blender of what people and politicians have taken as good advice and we're collateral damage of political decisions Mm -hmm. and as we were during lockdown but the difference is now we're going to have to depend upon an all-white male jury pretty much i mean yes we've got kamala harris who might even be president if biden keeps going in the direction he's going physically he looks quite bad i know right i'm very worried about being shown light by the likes of Harris, who herself is not at all left-wing, where her interests in my rights begin and end with my having to mirror a man's fantasy of himself because his idea of womanhood is based on older stereotypes than pre-Roe v. Wade. It's such a bad time for women holistically. I mean, just all of it, the, the way... The lockdown affected women and children the way Roe versus Wade is going to affect women and children, the the trans insanity and the way that's affecting women and children. It's just, it's just a, it's, it's a a really bad time. We'll see what comes of it. I I do think people are waking up. I, I wonder about this swing to the right that's about to happen. I know so many Christian women and women on the right who've had abortions, who secretly will say they're not, they're not a hundred percent down with the banning of all abortions. I, I, I don't know. I wonder what's, I, 
we know once these states really criminalize abortion, it won't be long before the horror stories are on display because that's the reality of women's lives. It, it won't take long before we have more than enough horror stories to keep us all having nightmares for years. The other side of this is that we're going to be monitored more and more as social media advances to other levels. And people are getting called out for comments they make under anonymous social media accounts. Mm -hmm. And I always worry about how did they find out that that person used not the real name on their account? I mean, why are these events happening in tandem with the policing of free speech around science? This is a discussion about humans are sexually dimorphic banned. Right. Humans cannot change sex. Banned. Totally. Cloth masks don't prevent the spread of airborne viruses. Banned. I mean, it's, it's right. There's so much censoring going on. Um, and I wonder how that will, the precedents being set are going to play out with, with the abortion issues coming up. I think, um, you know, all the, the left-wing, well, you know, the liberal media sources have been, have been so captured. And I, I get the New York Times every Sunday because I, I like to do the crossword puzzle. I mean, I have to admit, like I sound like an old lady now, but I just, it's been a joy of mine for decades. I, I look forward to it. I want the old fashioned paper crossword puzzle. And then I'll read through and the propaganda is so over the top with the trans stuff, with the COVID stuff. And they have a column called the ethicist. Are you familiar with the, the New York Times ethicist column? Oh, no, no, I am not actually. Okay, so for the last two years, Julian, nearly 100% of the columns have been about um, why you should snitch on your neighbors for and your family members and your friends for not following the, the, the COVID rules. And why you should shun the unvaccinated, why you should fire your house cleaner if she's not vaccinated, why you should tell your friends that they are that the person watching their kids is unvaccinated why you should um should narc on your friends and family and especially on the working class absolutely on the working class why you should bully people into vaccinating why you should call the cops if you notice your friends are, or your neighbors are having a party and there's a, a covid restriction saying people can't gather almost 100 percent of the New York Times ethicist column for two plus years now has been promoting snitch culture. And I just have to say that's not voting well as we're moving into the criminalization of women's reproductive lives and choices. Well, here we are back at the forbidden fruit. Eve is always guilty. What are we gonna do now? What are, you, what are your plans to do to fight back? Well, I've been teaching a lot of DIY abortion classes. I, um, I have lost all faith in the political process and I, I'm not going to any rallies that are being organized by the same people that, that promoted and orchestrated the lockdowns. I just can't do it. Um, so I'm, I know it's, it's less than ideal, but I'm trying to encourage as many women as possible to figure out how to be truly sovereign in their reproductive lives and learn safe early abortion methods that that women can do for each other. Um, a big part of that is fertility awareness and, and trying to fight this culture of dissociation and disembodiment that we've been living through where so many women just really are, are very dissociated from their bodies. Um, 
that's what I'm called to do right now is trying to help women to understand this is your your nature given liberty like you you have the freedom to do this for yourself and I know that's not going to save the majority of women from the desperation and and um horrible horrible things that are about to happen but it's what I can do right now <laughs> <laughs>